1: Don't have time to go on SoCal Live today? Leave Scott a voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812.
2: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Southern California Live, hour number two. Great to be with you as we are each and every weekday from 3 to 5, live, right here on the station. You can join our our show by giving me a call, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And you can also send me an email, socallive at socal socallive at KKLA.com. All right. Well, you know, earlier in the, in the first hour, I was talking about just some thoughts that I had about the, the world and uh, my time spent in, you know, in a coffee shop, kind of watching people. And another thing that I wanted to ask you about this. And and I'm curious if you even if if you've ever thought about this, and it's worldview. It's the idea of you know how do you view the world. It has a it has everything to do with ultimately how you how you live, you know how you actually make decisions. You know the the writer A. W. Tozer. Uh, you read his stuff and it'll make you wonder if you're even a Christian sometimes, but that's great because it's just very powerful stuff. And one of the things he wrote once is that the, the most important thought you think is the thought you think about God. The most important thought you think is the thought you think about God. And the reason he wrote that is because whatever it is that you think about God, that will determine your view on a whole lot of things. It'll determine your view on morality It'll determine how you make choices in life. It'll determine all kinds of things, uh, what type of job you might have, who you're going to marry or who you're going to date. It's going to determine how you raise your kids. It's going to determine what you do for the weekend. And ultimately, if God is real, then it's going to determine your eternal destination. It's going to determine what you think your purpose in life is, right? When you think about this, whatever it is you think about God, It's going to determine all kinds of things, right, for your life. So it's important. It's the most important thought, you think. We, uh, in most places, not quite Los Angeles County, but most places in the world, the COVID emergency is now over. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if you realize that, that it just ended Tuesday. Tuesday. COVID emergency is over. Los Angeles County is extending it through the end of March for some reason, uh, which I don't believe that they said, but that's because we love it here in Los Angeles. Maybe the snow is carrying uh, the COVID virus with it, and so we just have to be careful about it. I was thinking a lot about that, too. There's so many... Remember the beginning of this, all the stuff that was said about how to get the COVID? My mother-in-law lived with us at the time, and unfortunately, she watched a lot of TV news, and there was a brief period of time where they said, remember when they wouldn't let you go to the beach? You couldn't, go to, you couldn't go to the beach in the lockdowns. And at one point they said, you can go to the beach, but you can't sit down. You have to walk around. And so you went to the beach and yeah, you're supposed to wear a mask too at the beach and wear the mask and you're not allowed to sit down. So don't, you weren't allowed to bring towel or a chair or anything. Cause that would indicate that maybe you're going to sit down. And so there are all these people walking on the beach uh, at some point. Well, right around then there was some discussion about the COVID is hovering over the water and it's going to get blown in on the ionized air that comes in over the ocean. And, uh, that was, that was part of it. Well, that was crazy. Um, yeah, absolutely crazy, but some people heard that and they were terrified of it. My, my mother-in-law was, was afraid of the, the COVID just being out there, um, and floating around and, you know it was something that was hard for her to shake. It was hard. those kinds of fears were were put on us through all this. And you know we were we were inside, and most people were out of church fellowship for a while, right? Your church was shut down uh, at least for a few weeks. I think almost every church um, agreed to be closed down for a uh, um, you know a few weeks. remember that it was two weeks to uh, flatten the curve. I think that there was an intern who made a typo, and it was supposed to be two years to flatten the curve, and they didn't say that, and it just became two weeks to flatten the curve. Uh, anyway, it's been three years, and uh, the curve has been flat for uh, most of that time, uh, and I'm not minimizing it. I know that it's a serious thing and that there are seriously uh, things that in people who died, I lost a couple of friends that I know personally uh, from the COVID. I know it's a serious thing. Um, but there were some things that were done in it that were, were just not And in the, in the, the shutdowns, I was curious, it was an interesting thing to see how this would impact people's faith. Um, there are studies that have come out now about this and it says, what would you say? What would you say? Would, do you think that people are more open to a biblical worldview, meaning that the way they see the world is the way that it is described in the scriptures? Has that increased or decreased in three years? In three years of the COVID, the period of time and the shutdown in particular, would you say that, that people, we know that maybe fewer people were going to church, but that doesn't always indicate, you know, maybe lots of people weren't really believers anyway, and that's why they stopped going to church, but maybe people uh, opened up their Bibles. Maybe the people who are still going to church uh, rededicated their life. You know, something we learned in this, right, is that we're not in control. We learned all kinds of stuff uh, about uh, the realities of the world uh, during the COVID. Remember, it was, it was 2020. So every company, every business, you had vision 2020. You couldn't stop the cliche. It was everywhere. And everybody put out their vision for 2020 in January of 2020. And in March of 2020, those visions all went down the tubes. They were just completely gone. So you, you learn some things. What would you say the result is? The result is that fewer Americans today, fewer Christians today have a biblical worldview than they did in 2020. That it has dropped by a third. But I'm going to give you a number here. Um, and I'm curious, you know, what is it for you when you think of a biblical worldview? What do you have trouble with? Like when you think of following Jesus, and it's all right if you're a Christian, you know, and, uh, you know, you. You you go to church. You're a part of things. What is it that that bothers you? Meaning, you read the scriptures and you understand what it says, or you feel like you understand what it says, but it doesn't really sit well with you. Maybe something that if you pray, you're like, God, I don't understand this. Why would you? Why would you command this? Um, what is it that is hard about a biblical worldview? Maybe if you're listening and you're not a Christian, you know what keeps you from from becoming a Christian? Is it something that is in the scripture, or is it something maybe that you're not sure if it's in the Scripture or not, but there's some Christian that uh, harmed you or that you don't like very much, and they're they're influencing you that way. What is it? 888-528-2557. 528 The reason it's important is because worldview impacts the whole world. And if you look at the world and you think things aren't right right now, it's because the, the worldview that we all have together as a culture, there's something's wrong. There is... When the culture is falling apart, when institutions are breaking down, when there is increasing crime, increasing pain, increase mistrust, all of those things, somebody's wrong about the way they view the world. There is something going on that has changed. And, you know, I, when we talk about this worldview thing, here's the thing that is the number that is being quoted the the studies are that 68 to 60 65 to 68 percent now of americans claim to be christian but everybody knows that's not true and i don't mean to bore you with some numbers here but you know of that number how many of that 65 percent who claim to be christian do you think really go to church like really try to live it out They, they don't just say some people say they're christian because they were baptized you know when they were an infant or they uh you know they felt like uh they said a prayer one time in a youth group and they went to camp and they're Christian, but they've never gone back to church and never learned anything about Jesus and they just certainly don't live that way. You know, what is it? What would you say the percentage is? It drops dramatically. It drops all the way down to about 28% of people who might actually be somehow involved in church. And then when you get into worldview, a worldview is a, a framework where you view reality and you make sense of the world. All right? It's an ide- ideology, a philosophy, Theology, You know, it's something that provides your approach to the world. You probably don't think about it. Most people don't, like, write it down. This is my worldview. Um, some of you who have just a certain personality, right, that's what you do. You've got your worldview written down. You, you had somebody etch it on the wall. These are my personal values, and you put them somewhere. But most of us don't do that. We make decisions, and we live our life in a certain way. But it, it is based on what you actually believe and what you actually think ultimately about God. And a biblical worldview, some people define it differently, but it'll answer questions like this. Do you believe that absolute moral truths exist, for example? Uh, if you believe that there are absolute moral truths, that's part of a biblical worldview. The Bible clearly teaches that there is right and wrong, that there is a difference, there is something called sin, that there are specific things that are right and certain things that are wrong. Um, Part of a biblical worldview is, do you believe that the Bible defines that? Is the Bible authoritative on that? Meaning that whatever the Bible says, even if you're not comfortable with it, is true. And that's, I think, an important thing, right, is that, and how we approach the Bible. Do we approach the Bible with a feeling that says, I love the Bible until I don't agree with it, and then I have permission to disagree with it and then not live according to it? See, if that's what you think, then you don't have a biblical worldview, And there's a lot of church people, churches, entire denominations who kind of have taken that approach where they'll say, well, these parts of the Bible, particularly on issues of sexuality and things like that, they'll say it's antiquated, it's old, and, uh, we understand what it says, but we don't have to live that way. If that's your view, you don't have a biblical view. You don't have a biblical worldview. You have decided what's true. You, you don't think the Bible is authoritative on that. You get to decide what's authoritative and not. Uh, did Jesus Christ live a sinless life? Um, if you have a biblical worldview, you would say yes. Um, is God the creator of the universe, and does He still rule it today? If you believe so, you got a biblical worldview. Is salvation something that is a gift from God that cannot be earned? You can have different views, you know, different philosophies and theologies, predestination, and things like that. But ultimately, is is the distinction of Christianity that salvation is something that you get because God gives it to you through Christ for free or do you have to earn it? Is it it Jesus plus I did a lot of good things so I get to go to heaven or is it I did a lot of good things and uh, because I was better than some other people I get to go to heaven and they don't? Uh, If you think that it's a gift from God that cannot be earned you have a biblical worldview. Is Satan for real or not? Um, If so, biblical worldview. If you don't think so it's not a biblical worldview. See where I'm going? And there, there are certain things as a, you know, um if you answer yes to those things you you have a biblical worldview and like I said there's there's a different you know people in these surveys will define it differently the study says that in 2020 according to barna 6% of church going christians have a christian worldview that on the the main points of christianity what makes christianity distinct from any other view in the world 6% in 2020 have a biblical worldview, not 6% of Americans, 6% of regular church-going folk. And after the shutdowns, it went down to four, 4%, not 4% of Americans, 4%, according to these surveys, of church-going Christians believe, have a biblical worldview. That's an extraordinary number. Uh, An extraordinarily bad number. And if you you think about this and you just play it out, if the Bible actually is true, if the reality as described in the Bible about why we're here, what human beings are, who we are, who made us, how do you get salvation, the condition of mankind, sin, all of those things. If the Bible is correct about all of that uh, and people don't believe it, what should we expect to happen in our culture? We should expect it to fall apart. Because you, you have reality, and reality is just real. Now, that's part of a biblical worldview, is if, if you think that you can have more than one truth, and that's something that people say today, too. They say, oh, I have my truth, and you have your truth. Well, that doesn't really make any sense, right? If, if there is an absolute truth out there, even if you, you know, the Bible clearly says there's an absolute truth. You don't know everything about it. It doesn't tell you everything, but there is truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, today, not everybody believes that if you don't believe that there is truth or if you can change truth, or if you can change reality, there's going to be problems if there actually is a reality. And that's a big part of our, our problem. As I've looked around, you know, at our culture and different things, uh, and as a pastor for 25 years and as a pastor's kid for all of my life, I've been in the church forever and I've seen the, the other side of church, right? The, the part of church, somebody once said that the, there's two things in the world that you don't want to know about. One of them is how they make sausage. You don't want to know that. Don't look it up. Don't Google it. You don't want to know. Just enjoy it, okay? The other thing you don't want to know is how a church operates. And that might sound pretty harsh, but you know, sometimes some of us who are, are very um, discouraged with church it's it's often not because of what the Bible says. It's because of some something that happened at church, right? You might be hurt uh, because of something that happened there um, and not necessarily, you know, whatever uh, you read in the scriptures. Um, so I, I have this thing, and I'll tell you what, there's there's a place where you learn in church a hard lesson in ministry, and maybe you've learned it with your friends. Maybe it's you. Maybe you thought, oh, I'd never leave the church. I'd never walk away from my Christian faith, and then maybe you did. You know, for some reason, and as a pastor, I can tell you that they're the the most disappointing times in church ministry is people who you think are pretty solid with Jesus, um, but then something is done or a decision is made in the church that they don't like, and suddenly that's more important. They're not as concerned about the kingdom of God, capital K. They're concerned about the kingdom of Scott, right, or the kingdom of, uh, and it can be pastors, right? Pastors can be more about their own kingdom than the kingdom of God, but it can be church people. And uh, you find that out really, really, uh, uh, that that can happen a lot. And I think that's how you get down to that 4% number. We were doing a survey. By the way, you can call me up, 888-528-2557, if you would like to share your thoughts about this, 888-528-2557. There there was about 25 years ago, maybe, I was in a big church, and they were going to do a survey of the congregation on beliefs. And, you know, now you could probably do it on an app, right, on your phone. But back then, they had to hand out this device that would have, like, buttons on it, and the audience would respond live by pressing these buttons on it, and uh, the answers would show up on the screen in, in the front. And we had this whole meeting with this company that was going to do this, and they had a warning for the entire pastoral staff. They said, you need to know that we're going to ask people if Jesus is the only way to salvation, or is he the best way to salvation? And we're going to tell you that that number in your church, whatever the church is, will probably be less than half. You know, we all kind of said, no, no. And then they said, no, we're going to show you the statistics here. It's about half. And you just better be prepared uh, for some answers that you're going to be surprised about. Well, the studies today are saying that that number is much lower. You know, is Jesus the only way or not? Uh, this matters a lot, and it matters for how we we live our life and what is true. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Frank in Corona, welcome to Southern California Live.
1: Hi, Scott. How are you doing today?
2: I'm good, Frank. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. Uh, like like I told the uh, the representative I just spoke to, I, I just wanted to give uh, the you welcome a non Christian perspective. I, I yes, that I'm Jewish. And I've been listening to you, and I've also been questioning certain things. Not in my belief, but I have a, a lot of friends, loving friends, that of course have been uh, slowly nurturing me to, to uh, you know, read the, the New Testament, and which I have, and I've had several times. Now, I'm not saying I'm an expert or anything like that, but um, it just I fall with more questions simply for the fact is, you know. Uh, one of the verses in, in the New Testament it says that test all things, keep that what is good. Mm. Basically, challenging people to test to test their scripture. Now, whether it's testing it to to see if it if it uh, complements or it, it amalgamates with the Old Testament, you know, maybe you know. But it also says in the in the Old Testament that people lose you know people lose themselves not for lack of faith, but for lack of knowledge. Knowledge of who? Knowledge of God. Right. To really, know, to really love somebody, you know, in, in a general perspective, to really, know, to really love somebody is to actually know them. Know what they're all about. Know what they, they expect from you. Know what you can expect from them, you know? So, um, and so I've been going to these Bible studies simply because my friends have been very, you know, like I said, I've, I've known them for a long time, and they still... Don't understand why I can't make that two thousand year decision.
3: Mm.
1: It's because there 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 is diametrically opposed issues that um, <clears throat> you brought up as Jesus the, the you know was Jesus sinless. You know, if I remember in the New Testament, Jesus was born under the sin and no of a woman and under sin. Well, all of humanity was born to a woman and under sin. So, I don't know if that's just speaking about its humanity.
2: Well, the Christian the Christian doctrine would be that part of the reason that Jesus um, the the virgin birth is important that he was that she was um, conceived by the Holy Spirit is that he would have a dual nature, a dual nature of he'd be a hundred percent God and a hundred percent man, and it's a difficult uh, doctrine. To you understand, but in that is where you get his sinless nature, and the reason that he is the Messiah, when you connect it with uh, the Old Testament, is that he is the, the scapegoat, the perfect lamb that would be uh, sent out to the wilderness to die uh, for the sins of everybody, but that lamb would have to be perfect. And so Christian doctrine is that Jesus is the perfect lamb of God who lived a perfect life. Uh, as none of us can do, and then he would be sacrificed and pay the penalty for our sin. And his perfection is the only reason that his sacrifice was valid and, you know, and that worked. That if he had sinned, that he would be just as guilty as the rest of us.
1: Sure. The the only problem I had with that, Scott, is he used two words: human and sacrifice. Now, <clears throat> in in the Old Testament, and I'm using the Old Testament so your audience would understand what book I'm talking about. I, I refer to it as Torah, but in the Old Testament, God frowns upon human sacrifice. So, if Jesus was a poetically or virtual human sacrifice, that—that's a prohibition in the Old Testament.
2: Yeah. Can you, uh, hey Frank, that's would right. you be, be willing cool to hold up. on? I'm I'm over on the break. Can you hold on through the break? Sure. All right, thanks for calling, and hold on, and then I'll I'll uh, get back to you on that subject. I think it's a good one. 888-528-2557 is the number. of the Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host. I'll be back in just a moment as the two—what is today? Thursday. Thursday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host, talking about biblical worldview. Do you have one? Do you have— Here was my question is, do you have a struggle or something that when you read the Bible, when you can be a Christian and I think have these things that you just struggle with, hey, this is what the Bible seems to be saying, or this is what uh, we're being taught, and uh, I just struggle with that. Um, The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557 if you want to call. And um, let's see, we have Frank on the line. Frank is... Um, been attending a Bible study. Frank is Jewish, not a believer, has but has been going to Bible study with his friends. Frank, you still there with us?
1: Yes, I am. All
2: right, Frank. So you were asking me before the break about uh, sacrifices, and uh, we were talking about uh, whether or not Jesus was uh, sinless. Is that right?
1: Well, whether you can whether you can actually uh, um, make a human sacrifice for. For the atonement of sins,
2: right? Okay, okay. So restate your your question that you had before the break.
1: I, I guess my question is is um, is that in in Christendom, uh, one of the the apex or tenets that uh, Christians have to believe is in the uh, sacrifice that Jesus uh, uh, committed Himself uh, on the cross uh, for the sins of the world and the thing that I got to tell my, my, my Christian brothers is that does it coincide, does it merit the same message that it was told from the very beginning? In the very beginning, we were, you know, we were warned that what, before we entered the lane of canon, uh, that we would see other tribes, other people, you know, commit these atrocities of human sacrifice, which, which they used um, children. Children
2: uh-huh. to yeah.
1: sacrifice God of Moloch. So, human sacrifice was was not something that God persisted. On the contrary, I remember one scripture uh, in my uh, Christian uh, study where a man approached Jesus and he says, "You know, you know, good Master, you know, what should I do to attain, you know, eternal, you know, eternal life? Go to heaven." And Jesus turned around and told them, "You know, why do you call me good? There's only one that's good, and that's God. But if you want to go to heaven," You have to believe in my sacrifice, and you have to believe in John 3.16. No! Jesus said the most Jewish, (laughs) the most most Jewish rabbinical thing that any rabbi back then, 2,000 years ago and presently, would say, keep the Torah, keep the commandments. That's how you gain a quiet by keeping the law. Now, I know I've heard people say, but people can't keep the law. And that's right. That's absolutely right. People cannot keep the law perfect. Uh, 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 hum- humans are not perfect or imperfect, but we can strive for perfection. It's that strive that makes you uh, meritable for for God to actually, you know, view you and and, and actually grant you. Um, I, I wouldn't say atonement, but at least getting His grace in His favor, okay? Mm-hmm. It's that striving. If you don't strive to to, to, to perfection, not be perfect. There's no such, per, no, you know, all man fall, fall short of the glory of God. So striving for perfection is what needs to be done, not perfection itself. Uh-huh. There's no man that's perfect. So it's that striving. And furthermore, like he said, he said it very simple to this man. Very wise, Jesus says, keep the, keep the law just keep the law. If you keep the law, not only would you please God, the Almighty, but you'll you'll live a good life, because the laws were here for us, for our own benefit. And so I find it conflicting when I tell my Christian brothers this, and they're perplexed, because they don't understand why I can't see how um, powerful the, the, the crucifixion is. But I'm going back to what was told before, before it says, the sins of the Father shall not be cast in the Son, nor the sins of the Son be cast on the Father. That soul that sins, that soul shall die or shall be judged. Meaning, it's all based on what you do. Not, here again, I've also heard about the, the sin that you inherit when you're born. And I guess if I believe that God is loving, God is fair, God is just, how is it that you are born into this world with one negative notch on you? We, I, I tend to believe, and I, I don't want to represent the whole Jewish people, but I guess I am. Uh, we believe you're born with a clean slate. It's, mm. it's what you do after. It's what it what affects your relationship with God, not what you were given in the past. You can't inherit sin. Okay. Um, so um, these questions all come up, and... I try to explain it to my my Christian brothers, but it, it just seems like we're going back and forth, and <laughs> and, that be, and I think it has to do with culture, Scott.
3: Hmm. I
1: think culturally, culturally speaking, most people have been Christians, like you just said. They claim to be Christians, but they're only Christian because they're 6th, 7th, 8th generation Christians, and they've probably been Christian all their life, but they never understood what that actually meant. Yeah. Christian. The, their understanding of Christ, being Christian is going to church on Sunday, having Easter as a, as a festival, Christmas uh, Sunday, uh, Sunday night mass, I believe. I might get it wrong. I'm sorry. But I'm sorry. it all seems to be cultural instead of, you know, like you just said. Me as a Jew, I'm a practicing Jew. I, I, I practice my religion. I live my religion. So, <clears throat> so to say that I don't—you were going back to how people lose— uh, beside God, they, they they lose themselves not for the lack of belief. I believe in God.
2: Yeah.
1: But 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 more importantly, for, for people lose themselves for lack of knowledge. I know God, and I know God through His Bible, through right. His words. You know what I'm saying? And and I and, and that's I think that's where where this country is is faltering because there was a time when there was Christian Christian values and Christian beliefs. I tend to separate them, but Christian values. Were pinnacle. They were the they were the apex. Everybody followed that. Every, I mean, my my grandfather talks about when, when when he came to this country. I mean, it was a, it was a Christian country where everybody had Christian values.
2: It was there a wasn't
1: yeah. all this You know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, and that's part of the the issue of worldview. Right? Is that if we are rejecting Judeo Christian values, which we are, uh, these are the values that set up our country. Uh, and the West. And if people want to know why the West is declining, it's because we're rejecting those values. Um, and that's a much, that's maybe a different discussion for a, another time. Uh, Frank, I really appreciate your, your thoughts on all this. I'm glad that you're in a Bible study and you're probably doing a lot for those Christians in there because the questions you are asking are really good. And what they hopefully are doing are driving your Christian brothers into the Bible. And you're 100% right that an awful lot of Christians, and this is is true actually across the board with religious thought or different reasons people do things, but it's definitely true with Christians. They've been going to church on Sunday, and they've heard the stories, and they grew up this way, and Grandma was a Christian, and it's been in their family, but they've not actually studied the scriptures at all. Um, Christians sometimes, and a lot of Christians have though, so I don't want to, but that's a big thing for Christians. A study that was out not too long ago said something like only 12% of Christians have actually read, uh, a big chunk of the Bible. Most have not read most of it. Like, not even read it. Um, and that is something that if you want to pursue God, you've got to read his book. And I'm really glad as a Jewish person that you're reading the New Testament because it makes some extraordinary claims about Judaism. You know, if Jesus is the Messiah, then it's super important that you read that book, the New Testament, right? Um, because then it will it will give you a lens to look at things through the Old Testament. Um, and if and I'm
1: sorry to, uh, I'm sorry, Scott. And if it doesn't, at least maybe it wakes up Christians and saying, "Why is this Jew have all these questions, valid questions, and we can't answer him?" Yeah, maybe it wakes them. Up
2: you know what i would say to you in in the in the short since we don't have a lot of time is there there are pretty good answers to your questions in christendom maybe not from uh, your brothers uh, in your bible study that are harder because you're asking very hard questions and when jesus turns around and he says uh, how do you get to heaven and he says keep the law i would say that the the notion through the old testament is if you keep the law uh, this is how you would be saved You do all of this. Of course, the thing is, is that nobody can keep the law perfectly. Um, and this is what we would say from, from Jesus, who gives a Jewish answer because he's Jewish. You know, the indication from Jesus is that you're not going to be able to keep the law perfectly. Only Jesus can speak with authority on the law. And the, the situation of sacrifice, you're right that, that sacrificing your children in those other cultures was was evil, and it's one of the reasons that God commanded the, those cultures' destruction. But Jesus, you know, the Christian doctrine is that there is trinity. And the Christian would say that from Genesis 1 all the way through the end of the Bible, uh, that as the Jewish scriptures say, the Lord is one, that there is one God. But Christians, of course, believe in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, And Jesus offered you know, essentially God offered Himself as a sacrifice. And it gets complicated, okay, the Trinity is a complicated doctrine. Um but it's not the same as sacrificing his son and his son is God. It's it's willingly giving up yourself, like a lamb does when the lamb goes to the sacrifice. Does that make sense? And that would be an area Uh, that I would pursue.
1: That is a difficult area that I've I've been speaking to my Christian brothers, because if God is all, and God can do anything, and He's the lawgiver, then God has the ability to forgive even the most heinous one, and nobody, no creation, can, can judge Him, because He is the lawgiver. Yes, also be the
2: it, it, and it I would also say that that's exactly right. But the but in doing that, he believe as God, he's saying the only way this can be done is by a perfect sacrifice, and the only one who can do it is me. See, he's the lawgiver; he is the one who is in charge of cosmic justice, and he's the only one who can do something about it. Uh, Romans ultimately, if you read through the book of Romans, it will take all of this together. It ultimately says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned, uh, it goes out through Christ. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, for sin was in the world before the law was given. And that whole chapter 5 explains the, the balance of the justice of God, that the reason that we're born into sin is because of the sin of Adam, And the reason that we we get to be born again is because of the sacrifice of Christ. And the reason,
1: Scott, don't don't you feel just a little bit cheated that, in a sense, you think that God gave you another person's sin? I mean, if you would have been Scott, just let's imagine you were in the Garden of Eden, and you still had the resilience to remember God and God's law. There was only one law, and if you were able to fight it. Why would you be collectively punished? Now, so this is the difference where <coughs> my, me and my Christian brothers, we, we, we break ties. Yeah. Because if I could have been in Garden Eve and even, and I remember God's law telling me and telling Adam, you can eat from all these trees, just don't eat from that one. And even then, Eve broke the law, came mm-hmm. from it, and gave it to Adam, and then tried to give it to me, and I said, hey, you know what, you guys? I'm not doing it. Okay? Right. So but- how then can I be, how can God justify himself? Or his acts, because God is just is a just God.
2: Yeah, the reason is, and i got to go to a break, and I want to take some other calls. I appreciate your call very much, and I'll give you this answer. I would feel cheated if God didn't give me a Savior, and if he didn't do it himself.
1: I wouldn't need a Savior if he would have judged me correctly. But what? thank you
2: for the call. No, I pre- And thank you for your call. I appreciate it. And uh, I think as Christians, we need to consider these things. i got to take a break, and then I'll get to your calls on the line here. And these are really good questions. And Christians, you know, this is kind of where I started out here, is that having a biblical worldview, there's so few, according to these surveys, of Christians who even have a biblical worldview that we have got to get back into the Scripture. And questions like Frank just had, those are really good questions because they drive us to the Scriptures. I'll get back to your calls. Uh, Wendy and Mike, I see you. I'll I'll get to you when we come back. This is Southern California Live. And the Thursday edition. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be right back.
1: This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812.
2: Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. We're talking about Worldview. The number is 888-528-2557. We had a long conversation with Frank, who is uh, Jewish and going to a Bible study and had a lot of great questions, and they're they're questions that people ask about the Scriptures and who Jesus is, and some of you want to respond. Uh, Let's go to Wendy in Orange County. Wendy, welcome to Southern California Live.
4: Hey, Scott. How are you? I'm good.
2: Wendy, how are you today?
4: Just fine and dandy. I love that guy, Frank. He was really great. Yeah, he was great. Um, You know, it's kind of a, I was listening and I, I didn't get, I didn't catch the whole conversation. I was out of work late today, but you know, it was kind of like a blanket statement that Christians are just born into being Christian through family generation after generation. But it is, you know, we know it's not entirely true and there are people. I've only been a Christian for six years, and I, you know, was not, I, my family, my entire family is Catholic, so I I'm the anomaly in my family. And when I started walking with with Christ, I read the Bible through and through every year. I study Scripture, and I mm-hmm. I you. really have a I do. I have a very deep relationship with God, and. I don't think that I'm the anomaly or the the exception to the rule. I do look at the world through a biblical view, and I I think that a lot of people do, so there's really, there's a lot of hope, you know, it's not so bleak. It's just the world is, I think, the way we're seeing it now in comparison to 40 years ago, it's got a little bit crazy,
2: Yeah, or a lot crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and you know I and stick with your your Bible study reading, I think for some people, if you've been a Christian you know for a long time, especially if you were as a kid, you start to think you know it all, uh, and then you forgot that you really don't, or you haven't even read the Gospels for you know <laughs> I heard somebody say one time to me that the the Gospels are for new believers, but I'm mature, so I don't have to read those anymore. was kind of the idea it's like no you <laughs> you forgot what's in the Gospels. You need to read the rest of your New Testament through the lens of the Gospels and who Jesus is, because that's what the uh, Scriptures is is saying uh, and all that. So keep up with your Bible reading, and uh, when we started the show today, we are talking about biblical worldview that a lot of Christians don't have one, and a big part of it is I think we don't understand how the Bible works together. Uh, Wendy, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. 888-528-2557. You know, something that you find with Old Testament and New Testament is that it comes together as one book, and this is where study helps. You will notice that there is, you know, Frank talked about the situation in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve took the fruit off and the fall of man happened and sin entered the world. Lots of people like Frank think that's very unfair. Why did God put that tree there in the first place? Uh, there's a whole lot of questions about that. Um, but the tree appears again. Uh, twice more in scriptures, and at the end in the book of Revelation, it's the tree of life, and uh, this the tree of life appears in Genesis and Revelation, and it wraps up everything. And in order for them to, in order for us to really be creatures who have true love and relationship with God, there there needed to be a choice, and there needed to be a, a consequence, and the consequence is harsh, right? The the world is sinful, and we're born into it. And that's a controversy for, for lots of people. But I think if you're a just God, then you are going to provide a way that allows people born into a sinful world to regain their relationship with, with the Lord. And that's what Jesus does. That's why we get to know him by faith. That's why we are saved by, by faith and not by doing good works because you can be the best person on earth, but how do you know you made it? You know, how many good works do you have to do? How many laws do you have to keep uh in order to uh successfully cross the line into salvation? Uh that's a tough, tough place. And who's the and the thing is 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 many people don't like God. We struggle with God for this kind of thing. I get it, but when we struggle with something that God says he did, we're putting our we're making ourselves the judge. We're putting ourselves in a situation where we're saying that uh we don't agree with what God has done. And our situation is we're not the ones who really get to uh, make that determination. Uh, let's go to Mike in Anaheim. Mike, welcome to Southern California Live.
3: Good day, sir. I did have some responses for our friend Larry, our brother Larry.
2: Uh, Frank, I think. First of
3: all, shalom, Larry, and I, I love you. I appreciate your hunger for God's word. to respond to your question about sacrifices and Jesus being a sacrificial atonement to replace us and God's acceptance of that sacrifice there are a couple reasons why God would not accept a sacrifice of a human being Uh, first reason being is for the most part a human sacrifice would have to be one human killing another person which is murder
2: which is pretty strictly and it would be one, one debtor paying the debt of somebody else which doesn't work we can't afford it.
3: Well, Jesus, yeah. Well, you know, that, to that point, sir, there are no perfect human beings except for Jesus Christ. We've all sinned, and God will not accept a sacrifice that is blemished. Right. And that's why Jesus had to live a sin-free life in order to be able to qualify as an acceptable, unblemished
5: sacrifice.
2: That's right. And uh, and you know that comes into the study. This is why, and I gotta let you go, I got a bunch of calls and I'm almost out of time, Mike. I appreciate your call. The you know, one of the reasons that Christians need to study their Old Testament and, and study it is if you believe that Jesus Christ rose from the grave and that he is the Savior, uh then your Old Testament, a lot of those things Um, come together in Christ, and particularly prophetic stuff about the end times. You know, who is it whose feet touches down on the Mount of Olives in the book of Zechariah chapter uh, 14? You know, who is it that is the Messiah who rescues Israel from the nations who have risen up against her at the end? Who is it that makes the lion lie down with the lamb? Well, it's the Messiah, but is this Messiah just a war hero, a human war hero, or... Is that Messiah actually the Lord, and that's a big part of it? Christians would say he's the Lord, and but to really have that understanding, you got to know your Old Testament. To understand the New Testament, you got to understand the, the Old Testament. You can't study Romans and do the Romans Road really without knowing where Paul is drawing all that information. Paul's Jewish; he is taking it from the Jewish scriptures, uh, and that matters a lot. Uh, Tanya and Hawthorne, welcome to Southern California Live.
5: Oh hi, Scott. Thank you for taking my call so yeah. I wanted to answer um your, the the previous caller a friend yeah. I think was yeah. his name and um he was talking about um how it's not fair right I think he said something like that yeah that why why we're having to pay for Adamson it's a collective it's a common I think he said a
2: common right? objection
5: right, and so. Well, it wasn't fair what was done to Jesus either, but yet we're, we gladly take his his place. Um, but the other thing, why the Lord God did that, is to show His attributes, His glory, because everything He did was for His glory, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, us having sin in the world demonstrates His mercy, and
2: well, that He would send a, uh, that He would pay for the sin Himself, that we could not. Yeah, it. you
5: right,
3: know I think right, it's right,
2: a it's right. a hard thing because people could answer, well God, why didn't you just create people and not put the uh tree of good and evil in the garden uh and uh, right, right. The, the thing is though is that if there is some whatever you think about free will, whatever degree you have it, there needs to be consequence if you choose not to love the lord uh and that's hard yeah. you know consequences are hard thanks for calling Southern California live. Uh, I'm almost out of time here. Uh, Nadine, welcome to Southern California Live. Just a few seconds, Nadine. Or Nadia, I'm sorry, Nadia. Yes, hello. Hi, go ahead, Nadia. Just a few seconds here. Okay. Go ahead. You just have like uh, 10 seconds.
4: Okay. I just wanted to address Frank, uh, who also just spoke. I caught him at the cusp of him bringing up sacrifices and I heard him yeah. mention you idea
2: know, of sin. Nadia I'm going to run out of time I'm sorry I I I have I got to be off here in like 10 seconds but can you maybe call back tomorrow we do open line Friday tomorrow and I think I'm going to bring this up tomorrow because there's a bunch of people waiting I appreciate you waiting online Uh, Thanks for calling. My friends, I think that, you know, we're on to why it's important to know our scriptures. And we'll talk about this more tomorrow. If you couldn't get on the air, please call back tomorrow. It's open line Friday. We'll talk about it when you can. Eight. And uh, so we'll see you from three to five tomorrow. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live, Thursday edition. We'll see you tomorrow from three to five. God bless.